This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 business storytellers. That's right. Let's go. Let's talk about how do we drive leads? How do we stay relevant with um, our target audience out there? So today we want to talk about ABM. And for those of you already screaming at me, Christoph, knock it off with the acronyms Account Based Marketing. And that is a really good strategy. I actually just finished some ABM projects here, if there's ever such a thing as finishing anything in marketing. Um, But I'm joined today by John Miller. He's the CMO at Demandbase, co-founder at Engageo and Marketo. So if you haven't heard of Marketo, I don't know where you've been, but of course, that's one of the, uh, I think it's now part of Adobe email marketing system. Great tool out there. Let's get him on the show here. Now, John is the CMO at Demandbase demand base in uh, in the San Francisco area. John, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. Yep. And yeah, everybody's probably heard of Marketo, but you know, gosh, I, I really hope they've heard of uh, demand base Engageo as well. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I'm sure they probably, they probably have. So tell us about a quick overview of your journey into ABM and, and especially the role of technology. Sure. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been in marketing technology pretty much my entire career. Uh, believe it or not, I actually studied physics for my undergraduate degree, but kind of quickly found that that kind of quantitative background applied really well to marketing and marketing technology. So, you know, I was at a company called Epiphany. And then in 2005, when we sold Epiphany, we started Marketo. Uh, and along with you know Phil Fernandez. And we, we started Marketo with a vision to be to build powerful enterprise class marketing software, but that would be as easy to buy and as easy to own as Google AdWords. And so that was the, it was really almost a business model idea. Uh, I was the original chief marketing officer at Marketo, so I helped to really design or go to market. We, you know, ate our own dog food or drank our own champagne, depending on which expression you like to use. You know, <laughs> yeah, and we, we built a really good uh, uh, revenue model, you know, built on kind of running campaigns, capturing leads, sorting the really good ones and sending those to sales, nurturing the other ones, rinse and repeat to help kind of scale the business. And that took us up sort of almost to our IPO, which was in 2013. But to keep growing, we realized that there was sort of a limit to how much we could sort of rinse and repeat that traditional demand gen model. As I like to sort of, you know, as I realized at the time, I couldn't just double my number of blog posts and therefore double my number of leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started experimenting with more targeted outbound strategies where we would sort of pick the accounts that we really think we thought we should sell to, you know, and cause they were like our other customers but who for whatever reason weren't coming to our site and downloading our content and getting trapped in our lead engine, if you will. Um, 
And that, that model is sort of what became known as account-based marketing. The idea of identifying the accounts you really want and then going after them in a proactive way. The challenges I had doing it at Marketo is what inspired me to believe there would be a new category here to leave and start uh, Engageo, which was an account-based platform. Uh, and then after about five years at Engageo, what I saw is that the market was maturing and the capabilities that people really wanted in a platform were becoming pretty clear. Uh, and we can talk more about what that means. But I realized that Engageo didn't do it all. And at the same time, Demandbase was the leading account-based vendor, and they didn't do it all either, though. But the combination of Engageo plus Demandbase did do it all. And so I was really inspired to combine Engageo and Demandbase to build you know, what I now believe is the most complete account-based platform um, that's really kind of becoming... Uh, the foundation of what B2B go-to-market strategies look like in the future. So that's the story there a little bit. You know, starts with physics, but it's really about a journey from what I like to call kind of fishing with nets, you know, where mm-hmm. didn't get responded to one of fishing with spears, where we sort of identified the big ones and went after them. You know, what's interesting about one of your comments, too, is you can't just double the number of blog posts you're writing. You can't just do more. Um, that's a very... And I know there's companies that think that that's the the key to success, and I I also know it's not. But that's a very industrial mindset, right? Like if I work harder and do more, I can be more successful. But in reality, I mean, certainly you have to put in some work, but you really have to be smarter. Who do you reach out to? Um, how do you use the right technology and whatnot? I mean, you could run an ABM campaign without any technology, right? I know I'm oversimplifying things here, but you could in theory. Um, right, get a get a phone book or something, but you'll never get done, right? So t- talk to me about the importance of picking the right technology and how that can really help you. I mean, I know when I think of, you know, when I work with Marketo, I mean, personalization, right, and dynamic content, all those different things. I mean, that certainly helps me. And but but what else? Yeah, I mean, so to your first point, you absolutely can get started with an account-based strategy without technology. I mean, it starts by just picking a handful of accounts that you really want to go after, you know, and maybe you start with 10 or something, not not a big number. And then you got to figure out how to be really relevant to those accounts. You know, what's going to actually connect with them? So maybe you read their 10Ks um, or listen to their earnings calls, assuming they're public companies to sort of say, well, what what's really matters to this account? And then map what you do to those pains and find a really relevant, proactive way to reach out to them. You know, maybe you send them a customized direct mail package. Uh, and then as soon as you get the delivery receipt, you follow up with an email and a phone call. You know, so there's, yeah, you can certainly get, get started and pilot all this stuff without a lot of technology. And that's what we were doing back at Marketo in the early days. Um, but where technology kicks in is to A, do it better, and do it B, do it at greater scale. So the scale part, I think, makes sense. You know, if you, if you want to do this for 100 accounts or 200 accounts or 500 accounts, uh, you're going to need some tools to help, help you, you know, scale. Um, if you're going to want to advertise to these accounts, you're going to need uh, a DSP that knows how to target ads to specific companies. Uh, which is, you know, a thing that you need technology for. 
Um, but the other thing that we've recently seen technology play a bigger role in, in the last few years is identifying and targeting which accounts you should focus your time and attention on. You know, both in terms of finding, you know, accounts that are in your ideal customer profile, you know, and that's sort of the classic, hey, here's my best accounts, show me which other ones look like them. Um, but also identifying which accounts are kind of hot right now. Because you can market to an account so you're blue in the face, but if they're not interested and kind of open to, receptive to receiving your messages, you're not going to be very successful. Instead, though, if you can identify when an account starts showing buying signals based on the content that they are reading out on the open web um, and so on, that's where you can, you know, if you can identify that, your, your account-based efforts are going to be a lot more effective because you're going to reach them at the right time. And that's another key area where technology kicks in. So, you know, fundamentally, like, you know, I almost think about it on three layers. You have a data layer, which is about understanding the accounts. You have a decisions layer, which is about uh, figuring out what is the right thing to do with each account. Where are they in their journey? What's going to be the most relevant interaction? And then you have the delivery layer, which is about orchestrating the right interactions, whether it's advertising to them, sending them packages, having salespeople follow up you know, and so on. Yeah, the, the, the uh, information layer, I don't know, that's, that's not what you called it, but the data layer, right? Basically, what, what am I looking at? And I, you know, I liken it to some of the NFL teams. I know that's not B2B, but, um, you know, I click on their ads all the time and I want to buy these pants. And at some point they have to figure out why I'm not buying the pair of pants. And the reason is because you got it in 2X and I got it in 3x, right? And I need it in 3x. So my point is, yes, there's a lot of data you can gather, but at some point you have to also analyze it correctly and figure out why are people doing certain things. And then, of course, you sent them the right content. Now, of course, as you know, I am a content guy. I believe in content. I don't think it's going to go away. Um, yes, I've seen campaigns that worked wonderfully with below average content because everything else was just so much above content. But that doesn't mean I'm not striving for good content. Um, what what does good content in an ABM campaign look like? And especially you were talking about um, scaling them. And sometimes, you know, when I hear the word ABM and scaling, they don't go together out of the gate, right? Because AB, I mean, it's so I'm trying to, you know, I'm creating something for you. So how do you how do you mesh those two together? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, the the holy grail of all of of all of this is is relevance. I mean, like like you know, this is the storytelling podcast. Stories have to be relevant and resonant with their audience, otherwise they're not going to be successful. And that's true of any content that we're doing in an account-based strategy. Um, it's I would say it's even more important in an account-based strategy because in in this world, you know, we are trying to reach out to companies who haven't necessarily come to our website and raised their hand. Right? They haven't necessarily even given us explicit permission uh, to be marketing to them. And so that bar for relevance is even higher than normal because we're trying to build a relationship where one doesn't necessarily exist. It can work. According to the ITSMA, who's actually the folks who sort of started ABM in the first place, uh, they found that 85% of business executives would respond to an unsolicited marketing outreach if it contained ideas that were relevant uh, to advancing their business forward. 
in many ways, this reminds me of the challenger sale that's become so popular in the sales world. Because in the challenger sale, what they found is the most successful sales reps take control of the sales cycle to actually teach their customers something new in a way that's tailored to their specific business and industry. And that's exactly what relevant content looks like in ABM. It's going to, you know, to, 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 to be in that 85% of people who respond. It has to uh, be customized to their, the, to their industry, their unique business, and contain ideas that will help move their business forward. So that's, that's what we're aiming for here. But as you said, it's hard to kind of necessarily deliver that level of relevance to a thousand companies. And this is where I think it's really important to tear out your different uh, styles of ABM. Because you know, at the top of the pyramid, you have your classic one-to-one ABM. You know, and this is where everything is completely bespoke. Uh, it can be really, really effective, but it's also really hard to scale. It's probably only re- works for accounts that could be worth, say, seven figures or maybe even $2 million or more a year for your business. But if you have accounts that fit in that category, then it's worth it to go either create or hire somebody to create content that is bespoke to that specific account. Because again, it's $2 million a year. Let's say you go tier down. So now you're talking about your high six-figure accounts. It's maybe worth half a million dollars a year. You know, here what you're going to do is you're going to probably follow a very micro-segment approach. You know, where maybe you sort of take all those accounts and group them up into buckets of just five or 10 accounts that are similar. How can you create content that speaks really, really specifically to just those accounts? Uh, And again, it's worth it because, again, these might be half a million dollar a year. And then you might have your one to many accounts, you know, which is, you know, a much bigger number. Here, you probably can't be focusing on all hundreds of accounts at a time you're going to use technology to start to identify which ones are in market, which ones are um, raising their hands or showing signs of being ready. And you'll do more of a um, just-in-time research and personalization process for reaching out to those accounts. So lots of different strategies you can think about. Uh, But fundamentally, it's about how can you be as relevant as possible against each tier based on the value of the account. So you have to kind of prioritize. Uh, the the one thing I also the, that caught a, a little bit of a trigger point for me here, I guess, is when you talk about content for specific accounts. So I don't work in those accounts, right? And I, I mean, I don't work in any of the accounts that I'm marketing to, whether it's ABM or content marketing or did whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Um, but they all speak their own language, right? And I still, in the days uh, when I traveled, now I'm just sitting here in the same chair every day for the last, whatever, 18 months or whatever it's been. Um, but when I was in Nashville, my Uber driver or Lyft driver said something about he is a um, singer. And I, I don't remember what I said exactly, but I, but I, I might as well said, oh, what vertical, which is totally the correct term in marketing, but it's not the correct term in singing right it's the genre um and there's another term we were kind of joking about it so my point is when i'm creating content specifically for a huge company how can i ever get their language right and then maybe not just that but how can i even if i'm sending them an example of how i can work with them 
or how their company is doing whatever, how do I even know? Like, how do I check my content? How do I check my um, that I'm speaking the right language? Or is that just a concern in my head because I'm overly worried about everything? I'm not saying it's easy, you know, but, you know, again, as some of the things I talked about, like if you actually can go look at their 10K and their earnings call and you listen to the language they're using there, copy it. You know, I mean, they're, they're literally telling you what their business pains and challenges are. And you can, you can if, use that language to then customize kind of what you're doing. You know, if you move down the tier into the, the micro segments I talked about, you know, if you, let's say one of your segments is credit card payment processors. Right? Maybe you need to, if you don't have the expertise in, in, your, in your company, maybe you need to go hire somebody who knows that industry to either take one of your existing pieces of content or write a new piece of content and make it really speak to that micro vertical. This stuff costs money. This stuff is hard. And that's why you can't do it for every single account and why so much of ABM is you know, helping you identify the accounts where doing this amount of effort really is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing is nothing is easy. I think you may have frozen up there, um, but we can we could still hear you at least. Um, so when it comes to measuring, I mean, there's always all kinds of different ways to measure everything, right? How many people are looking at the message? How many people are clicking? How many people make an appointment? How how do we? And I know we have a a, a segment of people listening to the show. They don't want to hear about any of this. All they want to hear about is how much revenue does everything make. And, and I get it. I'm not opposed to revenue either. But what what are all the measurements that we should focus on? How do we know it's a success, or how do we know it's on the right track to be a success? Yeah. Well, I think the key words there is on the right track to success. You know, I mean, imagine a salesperson who didn't measure their sales funnel at all. They only measured how much revenue they closed at the end of the month or the quarter. Right, that wouldn't be very successful. You need leading indicators. So yeah, revenue is obviously what we care about, but what tells us if we're on the right track and sort of leading towards the right direction? Historically in marketing, those leading indicators were more quantity focused as opposed to quality focused. It was things like how many people downloaded the, your, your new ebook or how many visitors to the website or how many registrants for your event, or maybe how many leads or MQLs did you create? That works in that, in that net phishing view of the world where you are kind of going, you don't care who, who you're responding to, you're just campaigning to them. But when we're going after specific named accounts, we need more quality focused metrics. Things that tell us, are we engaging with the right accounts and the right people at the accounts? Are we deepening the relationship with them? There's lots of ways you can think about doing that, but one that I just found works really, really well is to simply measure the engagement levels of the account. You know, a more engaged account is one that you probably have a better relationship with. So how do you measure the engagement? Well, that's really about really understanding the amount of time that people at those accounts are spending with you. you know, are they visiting your website? Are they downloading your content? Are they attending your events? Are they responding to your emails? And each one of those things represents a certain number of minutes of engagement. So you can aggregate all that up at the account level. You can sort of say, hey, this account <clears throat> has this much engagement. And the engagement is going up or down 
and the engagement is coming from these personas, which are either the right personas or the wrong personas. You can literally imagine a heat map of your accounts to see where it's lit up right and where it's dark, and you need to sort of spend time, more time to drive engagement with the right people at the right accounts. The other way you can measure this stuff is to really start thinking about um, account journeys and account funnels. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this answer. You know, as a salesperson, you have a set of sales stages and a sales process you're following. And you know if an account is in a particular stage, it's got a certain probability of closing. And you also know that means you should do certain actions, you know, to move that account forward with whatever stage it is in the sales cycle. We should do the same thing, but apply it all the way back to the beginning of the relationship. Think about the stages an account goes through in its journey as they're researching, as they're learning about you, as they're starting to engage with you, as they ultimately are entering into a sales cycle. And then track where each account is against each of those stages. And then start to track how the accounts move from stage to stage. And that movement starts to become your key metrics for success. For how many accounts did I take from the target stage and move to the aware stage? How many accounts did I move from the aware stage to the qualify in, to the to the uh, engage stage, and so on? So engagement, quality metrics, engagement metrics, account journey metrics. My button didn't work here. Okay, now I'm back. Oh, I don't know what's going on here. Um, all right, so I mean. Uh, no argument for me at all. I mean, certainly you got to measure the whole funnel. And I think that is where um, some people fall down, honestly, when they only measure the one thing, right? It's like if I'm losing weight, I mean, I got to measure everything along the way and not just when I lost 100 pounds or, or whatever. Um, so tell me about, of course, you work with some, some uh, many, many brands out there that, that do ABM, but, but what company would, um, at what stage would they decide to work with demand base? And how does that how does that look? Kind of tell us about that a little bit, if you could. So for, I mean, again, I think for just account-based strategies in general, this can be for companies of any size. You know, you can be a startup who sells half million dollar deals. You should have an account-based strategy. In terms of using a technology like demand base, typically we find the company wants to be maybe 100 to 150 employees uh, seems to be a good a good line that where where they are starting to sort of be sophisticated enough in their marketing and their sales strategies. They have their product market fit, and they're really thinking about um, scaling to the next level. That seems to be a sweet spot for where a technology like Demand Base can really kick in and have an impact. And where there's also just enough people at the company to use and take advantage of the technology. Um, where people get started, <clears throat> there's a couple different paths where people get started. Um, but the two most common ones are, are first, just, hey, I don't know who my target accounts should be. You know, help me identify by a thousand or two thousand or whatever is the right number for you, best accounts, and then perhaps help me tier them into a tier one, tier two, and tier three bucket. That's a really good place to start with a technology like demand base, um, especially because we can help you not just identify the 
best fit accounts, but the ones who are in market and showing intent for your solutions right now. The second place where companies will tend to start uh, is in advertising. Because first of all, it's relatively a straightforward thing to do. Many companies are doing advertising today, either directly programmatic display advertising or over uh, channels like LinkedIn and Facebook. And so if you're already gonna be spending that money for advertising, you know, you might as well focus it on the accounts that matter, maybe the ones that are showing high intent. Uh, and so that's a really, really good strategy, you know, effective strategy to get started is to just take existing marketing dollars and apply it into an account-based advertising strategy. As a sidebar, we saw a lot of that um, during the pandemic as companies moved away from uh, events and started putting those dollars into account-based advertising strategies. So really kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying things, but really what you're talking about a little bit is um, how do you integrate it all together, right? How do you make it all part? So you don't just have to, you don't just run an advertising campaign over here. You make it part of your, your ABM strategy, right? That's when it works best is <clears throat> you kind of start with a good data foundation. So you know who the yeah. accounts are. You use predictive analytics to focus on who are the best ones that are in market right now. You engage with them using ads and other channels. You bring your sales team in to sort of let them know what's going on so they can sell more effectively. And then you measure the results. Once again, you guys, you all hear it here. You have to collaborate with other people. You can't just sit in your office and, you know, uh, and, and hope, hope the best. Um, the last 30 seconds or so here, John, what is your top tip at winning at ABM? I know it's oversimplified as much as it can be, but what's, I mean, if I do nothing else, what should I focus on first? Well, as we just said, you've got to align marketing and sales together on the accounts. And so the number one tip I have is introduce an ABM standup. Every two weeks, have a meeting with just three people, a marketer, a salesperson, and an SDR if you have one. And the goal is let's just talk about the accounts for that rep. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of those stand-ups as well where you can share. And how long? Like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or how long? Yeah, 15 minutes, and it's an information sharing. It's, hey, here's what's happening at the account, and then yeah. here's what are we, here's what we're going to do. You know, in order to try to engage with them and move them to the next stage uh, of their journey. Collaboration, the yeah. collaboration, the right technology, the right players, and get your product in front of the right people. That's I think what everybody wants. John, really appreciate you making the time. Really, really glad we connected. Um, so thank you for for uh, joining me today. Thrilled to and glad to be here. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.